I remember for a long time in my Christian walk, thinking that Christ was Jesus's last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just too. thinking Jesus Christ, right? It's his last name. <laughs> so I think maybe there was some there this past Sunday that that were just like me, and that was a helpful explanation that you gave of what Christ means. It's his title, right? He's the Anointed One. Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor, and here with my co-host, Pastor Daniel. It's good to be with you, brother. Good to be here, brother. Yeah, we're in the new year. We've, it's been a while since we've had a, one of these conversations. A lot's happened, you know, the ce- celebrations, festivities, and here we are, the new year, and we kind of wanted to start it off asking or talking about what are some good spiritual habits that we should keep before us as we enter into this new year? Yeah, the new year, I think, is always a good time to kind of just reflect upon our, our life and what we're doing, and especially in our spiritual walk, you know, what are some ways in which we could grow in the Lord in the new year? And um, I think some of the things that we, we talk about often in the new year is getting back into a healthy diet of reading God's Word, mm, right? Yeah. And I think you sent out when we uh, had our New Year's Day service, uh, an encouragement to that, right, to be faithful and picking up a, a Bible reading plan or reading the scriptures more with our family or with our wives and um, getting into God's word. And I think there's a number of good plans that are out there. I think the ones that I personally like, the the ESV um, has on their website, I think five different kinds of reading plans. So if you just Google, you know, Bible reading plans, ESV, it'll give you a couple different options uh, depending on how quickly you want to read through the Bible or maybe just the New Testament or just the Psalms. It has some good encouragement there. And um, so just an encouragement to be picking up the word and to be daily um, just immersing ourselves right in the word of God. That's great. Yeah, it's so important. I remember last year we kind of joined as a church together in one specific plan. And I know that a number of our members mm-hmm. made it all the way through the year reading the That's Bible great. in a year. And so yeah. a great way to keep God's word before us as we looked at mm-hmm. in Psalm 1, right? We want right. to be yeah. like the blessed man who's meditating on God's word day and night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the blessed way of faith that God provides mm-hmm. for us yeah. and encourages us in. And we need each other to kind of stir one another up yeah. in these ways as well. That's a good habit. Any other yeah. one that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think just um, an encouragement for prioritizing the Lord's Day is a good one. Just yeah. remembering um, how important it is to, to come to church faithfully. And we have two services where we could meditate on the Word um, day and night. And so just an encouragement, even if you haven't been able to come out to our evening services, we're, we're beginning a series there in First John. And it's a wonderful letter of just digging through another book of the Bible. And it's another just opportunity to to come and bring your family, bring friends, and and go through another book of the Bible to meditate and to hear a word of encouragement from God's Word. So just an encouragement to, to make that a priority in the new year, coming to church regularly and just enjoying the blessings of the Lord's Day. Yeah, that reminds me of, you know, to come to the Lord's Day for worship, we are following God's command, His wisdom that He provides for us to work six days and rest on the seventh and especially dedicated to the spiritual nourishment of our souls, right? Yeah. And yeah, we need that. We need that rest. God's mm. giving it to us. And it also makes me think about how perhaps each of us should be thinking about a sort of Sabbath rest beyond just the Lord's day mm. yeah. up and coming after we're spending some of these first months in work, yeah. maybe planning for a vacation yeah. or a Sabbath rest in such a way that it will really be a retreat and a mm. 
and bring you nourishment for your soul yeah. spiritually. Uh, so kind of getting away into nature, mm. etc. We're doing that as a family, planning a, a trip yeah. to Yosemite. And so awesome. we're looking forward to that. Um, so these are some good habits to keep before us and uh, daily reading of God's word, the Lord's Day each Sunday, coming together also not just individually each day, but also as a family mm. and family worship. These are good yeah. practices. Yeah. And obviously spending time in, in prayer it's part of the other coin, part, other side of the coin of our Bible reading where we um, bring that word to God in prayer as we thought about in our last Friday night fellowship of how we pray God's word, especially the Psalms and making that a, a part of our lives as we commune with the Lord and allow our lives to be shaped from that communion with God in our workplaces and school and, and in the home. Yeah, and I, that reminds me of the book study we did together for the Friday night fellowship, that mm-hmm. wonderful practice that we considered of reading a psalm and then praying through the psalm yeah and so i just encourage our members to go back and look at that book at the back there's that chart that gets you through all the psalms and you present before yourself four psalms Mm -hmm. every day to read through and you pick one and then you just pray your way through it yeah very simple approach to prayer but also enriches our prayer life by god's own word Yeah. yeah that's a great practice yeah, and these are times to just reflect upon our spiritual walk and how we could be always growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. So, and speaking of that, brother, um, we want to think about what we preached on this past Sunday. And, and so I want to ask you, what did you preach on this past Sunday? What was uh, the main point as we continue to make our way through Isaiah? Yeah, we looked at Isaiah chapter 61, and I extended it to a bit of Isaiah chapter 62 as well. That was great. Yeah, yeah, because we see that the one thought at the end is picked up and carried on to the next chapter. But this is a really remarkable chapter, one that Jesus picks up, literally, the Mm. the scroll in the synagogue there in Nazareth, his hometown, where he declares that that he was fulfilling it in their midst. Mm. Um, that he came to fulfill this very prophecy. And this passage in Isaiah, we hear the voice of the anointed one, the servant of the Lord, Mm. the anointed one being the Messiah, and he's declaring what his mission is before him, that he received from the Father, from Mm. God, as he comes into the world as the anointed one, and how he's going to fulfill it by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Mm. Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And the benefit of that anointing that the servant of the Lord receives is for us. He was mm. anointed for us so that we would have a share in his anointing. Yeah. Uh, the anointing of his gladness, the anointing yeah. of his, his joy and his presence. And so here we get a picture of the servant of the Lord coming as the anointed one, the Messiah, Mm-hmm. for the benefit of his people who are the outcasts, the underdogs, yeah. the marginalized people of the mm-hmm. world. Um, and it's just a wonderful passage that shows us so much about yeah. who Jesus is. Yeah, that's beautiful, brother. And that, that imagery of anointing, right? It's maybe one that we're not as familiar with in our culture, that practice of anointing. But you just shared just a little bit about just what, what does that word mean and kind of what are some of the ways it's connected to people in the Bible? Yeah, exactly because it's not an image that we are familiar with, that Mm -hmm. we use often. I wanted to start off the sermon with that kind of imagination or using our imagination to picture the event that's described in Leviticus 8, Mm -hmm. where 
Aaron, Moses' brother, is outside the tent of meeting. The Lord's presence is with God's people there in Israel. Mm-hmm. And Moses is anointing Aaron with this precious blend of oils. Mm-hmm. Uh, so olive oil and myrrh, and sweet cane and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. So it has this fragrance, aromatic uh, aspect to it. And it's poured over his head with, um, with out of a horn. An emptied horn, and then it's you know dripping down his his beard, like we hear of in Psalm 133, mm. and down over his garments, and it symbolized the favor of the Lord that was upon him, that he was especially chosen by God to stand as the mediator between God and His people Israel, mm. to serve on their behalf, to mm. offer sacrifices and incense uh, there in the presence of the Lord in His mm. tabernacle. Yeah in order to maintain peace between God and his people. And that term or that idea of anointing is also picked up later with the kings as mm. well. Like yeah. we, we remember in Samuel's account, we hear of how King David as a young shepherd boy was anointed with that same precious oil by the prophet Samuel, mm. uh, anointed to serve on behalf of Israel as their king yeah. uh, before God. And so this imagery of anointing really solidifies and becomes even more concrete in the book of Isaiah as the Jewish people were looking forward to the Messiah, Mm. the Christ who would come, the promised Savior. And in fact, the term Messiah Mm. is just the Hebrew term for anointed one. That's right. Uh, Mashiach is to be smeared with oil. Mm. And so Messiah is the anointed one. Now, we don't always hear that term Messiah, because in the New Testament, the mm. Greek translation of Messiah or anointed is Christ. Mm. And so all of this is leading us to understand who Christ is and yeah. what it means. He was anointed as our prophet, priest, and king mm-hmm. uh, to serve on our behalf yeah. in these ways. And so really the imagery that we see here of the anointed one, yeah. anointed with the spirit of the Lord, mm. is really helping us prepare, preparing us to see, recognize, behold by faith, Jesus as yeah. the Messiah. Mm. That's the great, Christ. Yeah. I remember for a long time in my Christian walk, thinking that Christ was Jesus's last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just saying Jesus Christ, right? It's his last <laughs> name. So I think maybe there was some there this past Sunday that, that were just like me, and that was a helpful explanation that you gave of what christ means it's his title right he's the anointed one yeah. this one that the scriptures are looking forward to and, and i love how you connected that anointing with um, being especially set apart by god right you're chosen and then also with the work you're set apart for this task and you you demonstrated that through you know the priests and and the kings and also connecting that uh with christ yes yes and that's what he declares here in Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the the Lord has anointed me. And then he states the purpose Mm. to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mm. And then he continues saying, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, uh, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Mm. And he continues going on, but we see that he was anointed for this purpose to come and serve and bless yeah. um, his people. Right? That's awesome. Yeah, he is the anointed one. Christ, he's the, he is the, the one that this 
prophecy is speaking about, the one that the Old Testament is looking forward to. And in the second part of Isaiah, there's there's other imagery that you brought out in the sermon that is also beautiful, that highlights um, God's delight in us. What, what were some of the other imagery that, that you opened up for us from, from this passage? Yeah, it kind of goes into the imagery of a wedding, the wedding mm-hmm. between Christ, the anointed one, mm-hmm. who is the bridegroom, and his people, uh, which is his bride, or we can say the church, the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we see that he greatly rejoices in the Lord in verse 10. And he says, my soul exults in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And so he's saying here that as he's entering into the world, as he's going to the cross as well, Mm -hmm. we find that he is dressed and decked out in beautiful garments like a groom uh, dressed to his finest on his wedding day. Mm. And obviously that's not how anyone saw Jesus Mm. outwardly as he approached the cross. Instead, he was beaten. He was mocked, spit upon, um, and Mm. crowned with thorns Mm. and with the purple robe, but all in mockery and jest and with enmity towards him. And Mm. he did not look beautiful or glorious as he approached the cross. But Mm -hmm. here we find that he is clothed with the garments of salvation. So this is spiritual, Mm -hmm. a spiritual reality that we're called to look upon. And we see that he he was willing to do that as he approached Calvary, kind of the altar where he sealed his union with us, the church, before God in the presence of many witnesses Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, We see the joy that was set before him about which the author of Hebrews yeah. says, right? Yeah. What is that passage again in Hebrews? Oh, yeah, I think it Hebrews Hebrews 12, where it talks about for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That joy that was set before him yeah. that, that's spoken of there in Hebrews is, is here in Isaiah 61, mm. verse 10, where yeah. he's greatly rejoicing the yeah. Lord, even as he approaches his suffering in order mm. to share the anointing of his gladness with us, in order to share with us uh, all that he has. As a groom marries his bride, mm. he is sharing everything. All that I have is now yours. That's right. And that's what yeah. we get with Christ, mm. the garments of his righteousness, yeah. his blood shed for us, yeah. and the inheritance that mm. rightfully belongs to him is now given to us yeah. graciously. By yeah. faith, we receive it. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think that was my, personally, my favorite part of the sermon was that that imagery that highlights um, that Jesus was truly dressed in the garments of salvation for us there as he went to the cross. That yeah. was so beautiful how you unpacked that for us from Isaiah and just showing something that's hard for, I think, all of us to really believe that, that God loves us as much as he says he does and that he actually delights in us. Mm-hmm. And I think when we kind of sin every day and and we struggle in our faith and you know we 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 fail in our new year's resolutions those spiritual (laughs) disciplines we want to do but we don't find ourselves doing we think man maybe the lord is just tired of me doesn't doesn't really like me very much he kind of puts up with me but as you highlight this passage you know in isaiah and other parts as well you see that god actually delights in his people Mm. and that's why he sent jesus to to come and to rescue his bride Mm. and, and his sheep and so it's a beautiful beautiful imagery yeah, and 
in verse one of chapter 62, I love this. It says, mm. for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Mm. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Mm. This is the bridegroom um, just saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop talking about mm. the beauty uh, of my wife. Uh, I'm going to sing her praises until her brightness goes <sighs> forth to the ends of the earth right mm. uh until salvation is brought yeah. to the very last elect of god um he just loves to sing mm -hmm. the praises of his church which like you're saying it, yeah. it it seems counterintuitive because we think of our sin we think of our guilt and we think there's no way mm. that he can delight in us and yet here he's saying i do yeah. uh like later in verse four he says, instead of forsaken and desolate, you shall be called, my delight is in her, mm -hmm. and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married, it mm -hmm. says. And so, and then in verse 5, and so shall your God rejoice over you like a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Yeah. Um, these are, this is God's word. Yeah. Uh, we're not making this up. That's right. <laughs> He's saying this about us yeah. as Christians. Right? Yeah. It's so encouraging. It is. Yeah, it's not just, you know, cheap, sentimental things that we say about God and people, but this is what God himself is saying about his uh, His love and his affection that he has for his bride because of the work that that suffering servant would do for her, right? And taking away her sin and, and making her beautiful and clothing her in his righteousness. Yeah, it's beautiful imagery that, that comforts us. Is there any other thing that you want to highlight, brother, that, that speaks of how this text is working on your heart in regards to comforting you? Mm. Well, I wanted to just remind us as well what Paul says, kind of to wrap up that idea of the yeah. wedding in Ephesians chapter 5, where he says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She might be holy and without blemish. And so we see that God, Christ's uh, purpose in loving his church and giving himself up for her, the purpose to beautify her, mm -hmm. to present her without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that we might be holy and without blemish. Mm -hmm. And so... As those who've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, as those who have been so loved, we should desire to present ourselves more and more in the splendor of righteousness mm. and in obedience and in yeah. love towards God because we have been so loved. As mm. God has loved us, so yeah. shall we love him and mm. love one another. And so there's a challenge there in that. Yeah. If we have been so loved by Christ, we should respond in love for mm -hmm. him and gratitude right yeah. remember we thought about it at our consistory meeting that text uh from philippians 3 you know about forgetting what lies behind pressing on to what is ahead and it it talks about just pressing on to attain that that great goal and um and it says we do so because christ jesus has made me his own mm -hmm. right that yeah. great foundation of god has bought us god has married us to himself through christ right he's made us his own because of that we press on right and that's a joyful um, way to press on, not for God's favor and love, but from it, right? As you mentioned, mm. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And with that task that is before us to grow in godliness and mm. in the beauty of righteousness, etc., 
we have we maybe we have the question or doubt well how how am i going to have the power or the ability to do that mm. and that's sort of found in this passage here when it's speaking about us receiving the anointing mm-hmm. oil of his gladness we have received now through christ the anointing of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and john talks about that in first john mm-hmm. chapter 2 where he says but you have been anointed by the holy one and you all have knowledge mm-hmm. i write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth and so mm-hmm. he's saying we have received from the anointed one, Christ, his anointing mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. And so that ties in with the Heidelberg Catechism, mm-hmm. question and answer 32, which says, why are you called Christian? Mm-hmm. Which is Christian, right? Yeah. Christ is in the term, the Messiah is mm-hmm. in the term of who we are, our yeah. identity. And it says this, because by faith I am a member of Christ and so share in his anointing. Mm -hmm. I am anointed to confess his name, to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks, to strive with the free conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for eternity. Mm -hmm. And so we have received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, by faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit therefore is enabling and empowering us to walk in that obedience Mm -hmm. to be prophets speaking God's word truthfully to those around us in our home and in our workplace etc to um, be like priests offering our bodies as living sacrifices of praise Mm -hmm. to God Mm -hmm. in dedication to him and also like kings reigning over Mm -hmm. sin and preparing to reign with Christ forevermore in the Mm -hmm. new creation. And so we have the Holy Spirit that we have received by faith in Christ to enable us and empower us to walk in these ways. And in Christ, in in fact, Christ um, did all that he did and went to the cross in part in order to give us Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit so that he would in this way, through his word and spirit, prepare his bride prepare Christians yeah. for glory. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and as a Reformed Church, you know, we come from a heritage that celebrates what we call the, the priesthood of all believers. Mm. And it really highlights how, you know, in the Old Testament, as you as you mentioned, there were specific individuals who shared that anointing as prophets, priests, and kings. And they were individuals who were set apart for those tasks. And the people, in one sense, had them as a, as a kind of mediator, at least we could say representative, right, before God, but now that the chief anointed one has come, right? Christ, who, who is the one that all of these Old Testament figures are pointing forward to, now that he's come as the ultimate and final prophet, priest, and king, um, we share in that anointing with him in that now all believers, not just pastors or elders or deacons, but, but all believers are equally united to that Holy One, sharing in his anointing. And therefore, each one of us, men and women, right, are equipped to be those prophets, priests, and kings by the Spirit, right? And there's a a beautiful um, difference between us and the Old Testament people of old uh, in that truth, that as we are united to that Messiah who has come and is now seated at God's right hand, um, we have the Holy Spirit poured out upon us to be God's witnesses in this way. And so that should um, shape our view of ourselves. I think that should shape our view of our our understanding of the mission of the church as well in this era of redemptive history, reminding us of our tasks as those who share in the anointing that we're 
we're set apart as holy, and then now we're called to this holy service, uh, truly each one of us. Yes, yes. I'm trying to find a passage, I believe it's in Second Peter, which speaks of us as a holy nation, or mm. a chosen nation, a holy priesthood. Or That's is it right. First Peter? I think it's First Peter 2. But, okay, uh, I was looking there, but I, couldn't, there as well. I couldn't find it. First Peter 2, verse... Oh, there it is, verse 9, where he says in First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like you're saying, um, before, only the people of Israel were the chosen race mm -hmm. of God, you could say, and only certain members of Israel were royal mm -hmm. in the kingly lineage, and only a, a few were priests, part of the priesthood, the Levites. Yeah. Uh, and yet now we all are That's right. uh, that chosen race from every tribe, tongue, and nation, mm. right? God's chosen people. We are all now royal heirs of yeah. the kingdom of God, uh, destined to rule even over the angels, mm. the author of Hebrews yeah. says, right? And we are all priests in that manner yeah. um, because we share in the anointing of Christ, mm. right? Yeah. So beautiful truths about, beautiful. yeah, the stat new, new status that mm. we have yeah. in Christ uh, now that he's come and accomplished his work as the anointed one. That's right. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that, you know, there's no offices in the church in the New Testament, right? Even um, when John writes in 1 John 2 about how you all share in the anointing, you don't need anybody to teach you. <laughs> you know, he's not saying you don't need any pastors or teachers because he's, he's writing them a letter of instruction. Yeah. But he is highlighting how even, even those who are leaders in the church are not of a different order than the laity, right? They're not in a, in a holy category that is you know, qualitatively different from the people, but they're servants of the word, right? They're servants of the flock and they're, they're, they're under shepherds under that great shepherd. But um, is there any other takeaways that come to mind as we think about how this text does motivate us as, a, as Christians, as churches to, to the work that God is calling us to? Yeah, I think when we consider for whom Christ came, in the opening part of Isaiah 61, mm -hmm. we see he came to bring good news to the poor, mm. sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives and opening mm. the prison. Then it goes on to speak of those who mourn, those who have a faint spirit. This shows us that Christ is compassionate towards these kinds of people in the world. Mm. And you know, in a society and in the world around us, we often don't favor, look upon, or countenance these kinds of people. Sure. Often we look away from them and we countenance our eyes on those who are mm. beautiful and yeah. successful mm. and rich and yeah. famous. Those are the people that the world puts before us mm. and says, you should love them and aspire to be like them mm. and give your attention to them. Yeah. But if we look at Christ and what and follow his example, we see the exact opposite. He wants us yeah. to countenance those who are poor, or those who are brokenhearted, to uh, reach out to those who are mourning and have faint spirits, to lift them up and give them hope and mm -hmm. encourage them and comfort them. And so I think this helps us in that way readjust our own um, 
approach to life and all the different kinds of people that God puts in our path before us, Mm -hmm. that we would have the eyes of faith to see them as God sees them, as image bearers in need of a Savior, as those who are broken and need of mending, and that only Christ, the anointed Mm -hmm. one, can give that to us and provide it for us. That's right. Yeah, and it's a it's a great encouragement because you know whether we are poor and don't have many resources, don't have a great job, you know, and feel like those kind of rejected people of society, uh, we can know that God comes to us and, and He truly makes us rich in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That the church is made up of people who are rich and poor, right, mm-hmm. slave and free, Jew and Gentile. Yeah. And I love how Paul puts it in First Corinthians one, just kind of highlighting. In a similar way, what you just mentioned, he says to the church, brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise. And God has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant and despised things, the things viewed as nothing, so that he might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. Then he says in verse 31, this is in order that it could be fulfilled what is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord, right? And so we are to have our our own minds and like you said, perspectives shaped by what God values, right? And I think God uses these humble, you know, people and and settings to show that the glory belongs to him, right? And I think that is a, a really good reminder uh, from this passage that you mentioned, to to value those things that God values and to, to see that God works in humble ways. He's not like us. That's right. That's right. And it reminds me of how Jesus, or when Jesus quoted this passage in Luke chapter 4, mm-hmm. the beginning of his public ministry in his hometown of Nazareth, he read this passage in Isaiah mm-hmm. and declared that this is fulfilled in your hearing today with him mm. being there. It's like yeah. a mic drop drop yeah. moment, right? And it's just probably a bit yeah. of silence. Like, did he just yeah. really say that? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then Luke tells us that the people of his hometown mm. responded saying, isn't this Joseph's son? That's right. Like, <laughs> like he's ordinary. Yeah. Like, we know who yeah. he is. Uh, they weren't impressed with him, mm. right? He was not something in the eyes of the world. Mm. And he was even... Coming from um, Nazareth, which as uh, one of his disciples, Philip and Nathaniel, in their conversation, mm-hmm. Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. Um, he, oh, no, he says this. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, mm-hmm. the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's right. Like, so yeah. not only did Jesus come from Nazareth, which was just a backwater mm-hmm. little town, mm-hmm. not very impressive, yeah. but even the people of Nazareth thought he was ordinary, That's right? right? That's um, right. And so we see in the person of, of Jesus himself how mm-hmm. God subverts the way we think of greatness or what yeah. greatness really is mm-hmm. and who is important in the eyes of God, right? Yeah. And Jesus goes on to fulfill this very prophecy in Isaiah. He goes on after that declaration of who he is as Messiah to heal the brokenhearted, Mm. to give sight to the blind, to regain 
or to give to paralytics the ability to walk again. Yeah. He just goes on doing exactly what he said he mm-hmm. came to do yeah. um, and empowered by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what I mentioned about where he was anointed? Because we didn't talk about that. Or mm-hmm. when he was anointed? Because we don't find any text where he mm-hmm. was, where any oil was poured upon him. That's right. Yeah, I think that you highlighted the, the baptism of Jesus as the place of his anointing. Right, uh, the Gospels talk about that, about how when Jesus went into those uh, to the waters of baptism, the Spirit of God came upon him, right, in the form of a dove, and the Father spoke his word of favor. And then there you see, right after his anointing, um, in, in one sense, his work beginning mm. as he goes into the wilderness by the Spirit, right, being yeah. led uh, by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil uh, to begin that work of redemption for us as he overcomes temptation and as he begins his public ministry. And he does so as you mentioned, the anointed one. Right, yeah. that's right, that's right. I also did mention too the anointing that comes later that mm. I hadn't really thought of until I studied this passage and just drawn to it that not only was he anointed by the Spirit mm. with the Spirit of the Lord upon him as he's declaring here, but he really actually was anointed with oil. Um, Precious, very costly oil. When Mary came and poured out the oil upon him, Mm. preparing his body for death. And so we find that the only reason why we now have a share in the blessing of his anointing is because Mm. he first was anointed in preparation for his Mm. death and burial on on the cross and then in the tomb for us Mm -hmm. to free us from that condemnation and punishment that we deserve in order to instead... Give us the rich inheritance now as those who are wed with him mm-hmm. to receive all that yeah. the bridegroom has yeah. to offer. Yeah, I love that point about his anointing for his death. And, you know, there were some who rejected Jesus and, and said the things that, that you mentioned about, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, you know, who is this guy? But then there were others like Mary and, yeah. and, and others who saw him as he is. You yeah. saw the beauty of Jesus that. That was hidden from, you know, the sight of those who were wise in their own eyes or those who expected a certain kind of Messiah. There were those, uh, by God's grace, of course, who saw Jesus rightly. And I think that's just an encouragement for us, too, in the world that we're living in to receive Christ as he comes to us, right? In this humble manner, knowing that he will come again in glory for all people to see and he won't be missed in who he is. Uh, But right now we receive him as he comes to us as well. Yeah. That's right. And what we'll see in a couple weeks when we get back into Isaiah Mm -hmm. in chapter 63, sort of in comparison or as the Mm -hmm. flip side of the coin, right here in Isaiah 61 and 62, Mm -hmm. we find him humble coming in salvation. Mm -hmm. But also Isaiah 61 mentions uh, that the the day of vengeance yeah. is also something that the Messiah is bringing, which interestingly, Jesus didn't quote yeah. when he uh, read from the scroll mm. in Isaiah there in uh, Nazareth. Mm. And that's in part because he sort of divided his mission up. First, he came for salvation, mm. and then he's coming a second time yeah. in judgment. Yeah. And we'll see that in Isaiah chapter 63, that he right. comes in wrath and in judgment mm. to bring full and final justice to yeah. this world. Yeah. And, but today is the day of salvation. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, today is the day to make amends with God, to be mm-hmm. restored back in right relationship with Him. Yeah. And that is only found by faith in Christ and all yeah. that He's done for us. That's good, brother. We look forward to hearing all of those different notes of Isaiah and God's Word and receiving all of those different notes. And it's been a great conversation on Isaiah. And thank you for faithfully leading us through this book, brother, and for this conversation. Any um, any final words or any particular passages that you would encourage us to meditate on or commit to memory? Yeah, it has been a great conversation, brother. And I think the best verse to commit to memory, to remember from this chapter in Isaiah 61 the two verses at the opening there, verses one to two, which are the ones that Jesus quoted. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. And then he lists the things that he came yeah. to do. Yeah. And so if we remember this passage and remember how Jesus quoted it and said, it is fulfilled today and you're hearing there mm-hmm. at the outset of his ministry, then I think the rest of the ideas and the truth that we've talked about in this passage will also Mm. kind of be brought to our mind and to our hearts Mm. as we seek to live in the reality of this truth presented Mm. here for us that's a good passage and may we receive jesus as that anointed one of god and by faith take hold of him he has so loved us that he came so that we might be wedded to him forever and dear listener may the spirit of god be upon you to equip you and to empower you in all that he calls you to do this week not only in your ordinary labors and your in your jobs, but also in your sacred calling as well to be his prophets and his priests and his kings for his glory. So thank you for uh, listening to this podcast episode, first one of 2023. We look forward to bringing you another one, the Lord willing, soon.